The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does come from St. Luke. It is chapter 9, verses 51 through 61, and can be found on page 1611 in your pew Bible. Luke records, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went to another village. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The first verse of today's gospel is an important turning point in the ministry of Jesus. It tells us that the time when Jesus not only taught, but he also focused on getting to Jerusalem. He focused on Jerusalem because he had an appointment, a very important appointment with a cross. And Jesus made this appointment in eternity before he even participated in the creation of the world. And we learn this from Paul when he wrote his letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1-4, if you're taking notes. Paul writes, God shows in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now he also wrote, Paul that is, to a young pastor named Timothy. And he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, he said, he wrote, God saved us and called us to a holy calling 
not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And in addition, he began a letter to another young pastor named Titus with these, these words to Titus, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope eternal, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Now these Bible passages and others like them tell us that the Son of God made his appointment with the cross before the creation of the world. And indeed, God made the promise to save us before he even created time itself. And the fact that God already had a plan of salvation in place reminds us once again that God knew that we would sin before he even made us, yet while we were still sinners. And this means that God was not surprised when Adam and Eve sinned in Eden, and that the plan for saving Adam and Eve and all of humanity, saving them from sin, was already at work. And the Son of God had already made his appointment with the cross. So it is that the Son of God could speak to the serpent this day in Genesis 3.15. He'd already made the appointment. He already knew how things would end up. And he said this to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall, shall bruise his heel. And he could say this because he had already made his an appointment on the cross. And the entire Old Testament points forward to the time when the Son of God would keep his appointment with the cross. And his appointment with the cross determined when the Son of God would take up his humanity. And this also happened right on schedule, as the Bible says in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He had a plan. And the Son of God took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary at exactly the right time. God is never late, not by, by his time. And when he was born, they named him Jesus. And everything in Jesus' life happened at exactly the right time so that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, would keep that appointment with the cross. 
And eventually that appointment drew near. And Jesus had to focus on his journey from Galilee to that cross on Jerusalem. And as the beginning of today's gospel says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. That explains the determination in today's gospel. It, if, if you will follow Jesus, now is the time. There is no time to deal with the things of this world. Now is the time to proclaim the kingdom of God. Now is the time to follow Jesus. Later may be too late. And the teaching and healing will go on during the journey, but the main goal of the journey is keeping the appointment with the cross. When Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, he intended to go to Jerusalem straight through the south, through Samaria. And we read that he sent disciples ahead to make arrangements for that trip. But the Samaritans had a problem with the people who were traveling to Passover in Jerusalem. Why? Well, the Jews treated the Samaritans with a certain amount of arrogance and disdain. And the Samaritans got even with them by being uncooperative and even inhospitable. They made it fairly clear that Jesus and his disciples were not welcome. And they saw Jesus as just another Passover pilgrim who was trying to take a shortcut across their lawn, I mean their land. Get off my lawn! And then we hear James and John. And they were upset with this village. And then they demonstrated their anger and their ignorance by suggesting that this village deserved destruction by divine fire from heaven. And once again, the disciples demonstrate their lack of understanding of Jesus and of his teachings. They wanted to be in your face. And they should have humbled themselves and put them in their prayers. And once again, Jesus had to rebuke them. And by the way, it's possible that incidents like this, shall we call down fire and broomstone and just totally nuke these guys, Jesus? It's possible that these little things, these little help comments, are what caused Jesus to give these two disciples the nickname of Sons of Thunder. It's possible. And this is the whole point. The whole point of Jesus' appointment with the cross, he was going to the cross so that we do not have to endure the fire that God would, could call down, rightfully could call down, the fire of God's punishment. And as we said earlier in the service, we are unworthy sinners when we said we have not loved you with our whole heart. Remember that? We are unworthy sinners. We do not deserve any of the blessings that God gives us. Instead, our sins have truly earned us the fire that James and John 
wanted to call down on the Samaritan village. And we not only deserve punishment here on earth, as we admit it, but we also deserve the eternal punishment of hell because of our sin. And God has every right to pour his wrath out on all humanity. And the Samaritan village deserved that wrath of God. They deserved that wrath of God. And James and John deserved the wrath of God. And you and I deserve the wrath of God. Thanks, thank you, Lord, that we don't get what we deserve sometimes. Amen? So Jesus kept his appointment with the cross so that we will not get what we deserve. Just as Jesus had mercy on the Samaritan village and on James and on John, he also has mercy on us. Jesus kept his appointment with the cross so that he could endure the wrath of God in our place. And Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless and innocent life. And even so, he endured the emotional and the mental and the physical anguish that only a sinner deserves. And he endured the unjust trials, the torture of many varieties, and even death on a cross. And as he hung on the cross, he experienced the greatest torture of all. The only clue that we have to the depth of that torture is in his cry of dereliction as he cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His appointment with the cross was also an appointment with the forsakenness of God the Father, a forsakenness that we cannot understand, but we only can believe. In this forsakenness lay all the fire of God's wrath against our sin put upon his Son. In this forsakenness, Jesus endured God's wrath so that we may live in God's eternal blessing. He got, Jesus got what we deserved. And Jesus had another appointment in Jerusalem. He had an appointment with an empty tomb. He had an appointment with the resurrection of his dead body into a body of immortal life. And his resurrection is the ultimate sign that he is our Savior. That when he kept his appointment with the cross, he earned salvation for all humanity. And his resurrection offers resurrection and eternal life to all people in all times and in all places, even the womb. He earned resurrection and eternal life when he kept his appointment with the cross. And he certified that resurrection and eternal life with his own resurrection from the dead. The Holy Spirit now works to distribute the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation that Jesus earned when he had kept his appointment 
on the cross. And the Holy Spirit makes Christ's gifts available to all people. In fact, there is really only one way to lose out on those gifts. The only way to lose out on those gifts is to reject them. No, that's your way. That's your faith. It's good for you. I reject it. To reject the work of the Holy Spirit as he offers these gifts to you is sin. This is the one and only sin that cannot be forgiven. It cannot be forgiven because it is the sin of rejecting God's forgiveness. God cries out, I have forgiveness for you. From that appointment on that cross, and some would say, no, I'm good. That's the, in a crux, what blaspheming the Holy Spirit means. Rejecting the gift. It's as simple as that. Our Lord Jesus Christ has one more appointment to keep. He has promised that he will visibly return on the last day. And on that day, he will raise all the dead to immortality. And those, those who rejected his gifts will be swept away to eternal punishment. And those who are left behind will enter with him into eternal blessing and eternal joy. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, God says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do not reject Christ's gifts. Do not struggle against the work of the Holy Spirit. Instead, when the Holy Spirit places you in Christ by faith, simply remain there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly that you may receive that eternal blessings that Jesus earned for you when he kept his appointment on the cross. In the name of Jesus, amen. Every